This is a case study in not only bureaucracy run amok, but bureaucracy weaponized against particularly the farming community here in Washington State. I mean, people, I, I think people often think, well, you know, regulators are regulators and, you know, everybody has lots of rules to follow, yada, yada. This clearly demonstrates agriculture, farming in Washington State being singled out and treated differently basically than everybody else. What am I talking about? I'm talking about um, what is, in my view, the Washington State Department of Labor and Industries' absolute mishandling of protecting farm workers during the COVID-19 pandemic. Welcome back to The Farming Show. I'm Dylan Honkoop here on KGMI News Talk 790. Glad you're here with us on a Saturday morning and glad that we are inching our way back toward a, a more normal world. Everybody happy about that? I know all of this has been crazy and we could go on and on, I'm sure, for hours about all of the insanity that has ensued, but particularly this issue of keeping farm workers safe. It's an important thing during the pandemic. We talked a lot about it, though, at the same time, crops needed to come in, things needed to happen, work needed to get done. Uh, it, farming and the farming community, essential work, as labeled by our, our federal government, I, I think that's pretty obvious. We all need to eat, and we covered it uh, pretty uh, in-depth here on the program last year at about this time when we were talking about bunk bed bans and questions about you know what science were, were any of uh, the state's rules on farms and, and farm workers uh, to, to purportedly protect them from the COVID-19 virus. Well, the story has just continued uh, with more and more twists and turns. Joining me right now with Wafla, Dan Fazio, their executive director. Dan, welcome to the program this morning. I mean, if we thought last, you know, spring and summer was kind of crazy, well, even though the pandemic seems to be winding down, if I can position it that way, uh, the craziness with our, our bureaucrats and our state leaders doesn't seem to be waning uh, with the things that they've been up to. Explain what happened as, you know, the science started to change, people started to get vaccinated, and the state singled out farming to say, no, we're going to keep the strict rules on you, but not on everybody else. Hey, Dylan. Great to be uh, back. Love your show. Um, hey, a little bit uh, cooler weather down here in Olympia uh, this morning. Uh, maybe you might get a little bit of rain uh, out of our parts, but uh, great to uh, great to be back uh, back with you and a big fan of your show. Yeah, um, this turned into a turned away from best science and into uh, worst politics in a in 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 a very very short order. So uh, that's kind of what happened. Um, again, you you stated it correctly. You know, farmers need to have a safe workplace, and they're all about workplace safety, but we're not a shoe factory that you can, you know, close the door, turn the lock and, and close it up and uh, lock it up and come back a year later and then start, you know, start rolling out shoes. Um, so people had to do work and we had to keep workers safe. And uh, the program that we work with is the, uh, is the legal worker program and all the farmers that have 
labor-intensive agriculture and house workers and have in housing that's inspected by the feds and the state, it quickly turned into a, well, let's, let's forget about the best science and let's have the politics uh, away from, uh, you know, allowing us to use the legal worker program because uh, people down here in Olympia uh, don't like legal worker programs, which is bizarre in and of itself, but that's kind of where, where we're at. So we went, you know, from best science to politics pretty quickly. And uh, luckily, we were able to, with good, uh, some good public relations and a little help with the lawsuit, and really the people in the agency standing up to their political bosses and saying, hey, uh, we just, we can't enforce these regulations. They're ridiculous. Um, I'll cite one in particular where they said if a person had symptoms of COVID, they had to be isolated. Great. Have to give them three meals a day. Great. But then they said, well, you have to have a, a, a doctor or a medical provider come and make a house call on this person twice a day. And we said, well, wait a minute. No one in America gets twice a day house calls. I'm 65 years old. I've never had a house call by a doctor in my life. <laughs> uh, Dylan. And, yeah. and I, I, I seem to be doing okay. Um, and you I know, think my I grandpa talking, is the only only one who I've ever heard talk about that. Well, Dylan, uh, I mentioned this to my family doctor, and she said, you know, to me, Dan, if you got COVID today, I would, you know, assess you and see how bad you were, and if you know, if I didn't have to admit you to the hospital, I'd have you go home and relax, and you know, maybe, maybe uh, um, you might get a bottle of oxygen or something like that uh, prescribed to you. But and I would tell you to call us if your condition worsens and take. But she said, I've never heard of anyone prescribing the treatment for COVID as um, having someone come and physically come and take your, you know, your vitals at 10 a.m. and then at 4 p.m every day and but that's what we had to do in agriculture and there was there were many many other examples of of just not feasible and dumb stuff that they were having us do and and you know thanks to publicity um some articles in newspapers people even in Seattle calling up and saying this is ridiculous. Why are you doing this to farmers? And kind of exposed that it was a, a kind of a political thing rather than you know mm-hmm. anything that had to do with best science. Well, uh, that's exactly right. We see more and more and more of this. Where uh, back to something you you know you talked about the bureaucracy. So did I at the beginning here. Um, I think this is like I said, bureaucracy run amok and and bureaucracy uh, weaponized in this case against the farming community. I, my gut tells me that this is really exposing some of the political uh, machinations and ulterior motives that probably already existed. And you know the saying, never let a good crisis go to waste. There we were at a time when we needed to be protecting people. We still need to protect people. But that's not what these folks really actually had in mind. They were trying to accomplish other things um, as a result of the crisis that we were in. They were trying to pull political levers and then shame people into having to follow it. Well, not just shame, but also legally and financially uh, coerce them into having to do these things that didn't make sense, weren't supported by science, but would achieve a political end for, like you said, the powers that be. Can I give you a couple of statistics, Dylan? Go for it. So, so first of all, you know, we said, Hey, wait a minute, this is not best science. The CDC came up here and they found that at the height of the pandemic, you know, in the harvest last year, a person living in one of these inspected temporary worker housing facilities that the state was trying to shut down or reduce the capacity by 50%, um, the CDC said 
a worker is three times safer, three times less likely to uh, to get the contract the COVID um, virus living in these congregate housing facilities that were run by the farmers than they were living in the local community in, 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 the, in the small communities in central Washington. So that, that came out in, you know, uh, that study happened in late August, um, was when they, they did the sampling in the communities and then uh, at the housing facilities. And then what the farmers did in, in November and December said, look, what we're going to do is we're going to test every worker that comes up here on arrival, okay? And then as soon as they get a negative test, we're going to quarantine them until we can get them vaccinated. So guess what? Between January and April, okay, we tested 8,500 people uh, or 8,500 workers arrived. We uh, contracted with a nonprofit that had mobile testing, and 100% of them were tested. And then from that point on, we've had 98% vaccination rates of the workers coming from Mexico with a visa in the temporary worker housing. So we're getting really 100% vaccination rates less than a half a percent positives. If the people are positive, we immediately isolate them and, you know, the workers are paid during their isolation. Um, and, uh, and then what happens is uh, as soon as we can, we're, you know, we vaccinate the people and it's usually within a couple of days of arrival. We get a, a negative test within 24 day hours of arrival and then we vaccinate. So we're, we're at in these facilities where we've done everything the government has asked and more. And we say, hey, what's the off ramp? What do we do? Yeah. We've got we're, we're, people are in facilities where 100 percent of the people in the facility are vaccinated. And they were still saying employers have to enforce masking and social distancing and plastic barriers between sinks and all these other things when we had 100% vaccinations, if you can believe that. Well, I mean, if you look at all these ridiculous rules that you're listing and and what jogged my memory was that your mention of, uh, you know, folks coming in, being tested immediately and then being quarantined, even though they tested negative. Dan, I don't know. And we're talking about Dan Fazio with WAFLA uh, right now, farm labor uh, organization here in, in Washington state. And they do some uh, outside of Washington as well, but mostly here. Um, Dan, I don't know if you've followed what's been going on to our north up in Canada, but to me, all of this sounds like the L&I is being run by Justin Trudeau uh, <laughs> for crying <laughs> yeah, out loud because they have so much nonsensical stuff up there as well. This falls, in my mind, right into that category, but in a lot of ways, well, I don't know what the whole game is up there because I don't follow Canadian politics enough, but here in Washington, certainly, I, I think the, the motivations behind these some of these things are likely a lot more nefarious. Uh, if we go back to the very beginning of this, before the state had issued specific rules uh, for farm workers, farms were already scrambling to protect workers because, for crying out loud, they want to keep them safe. Not only because it's the right thing to do, and these are humans who have dignity and, and they're respected, but also because why would you want your workforce to suddenly all get sick? It doesn't make sense. It's something that no one would want. Nothing gets done then. So, of course, people were scrambling. But at the same time, we had labor activists screaming that people weren't being protected, that the situation was out of control. It was a total mess. Uh, people were deliberately being put in harm's way. And then we see a state government and a state bureaucracy react to that noise, not listening to reality, not listening to science, but reacting. 
objecting to that political noise and doing a lot of things in response that were even more ridiculous. Again, back to the bunk bed ban and all of that, as we pointed out at the time, um, the bunk bed ban actually putting a lot more people at risk of COVID than um, if that would have happened, right. than, than uh, actually allowing them to stay in approved housing. But right. like you say, right. Dan, and this is a farming show, by the way, Dylan Honkoop here on KGMI with Dan Wafla from, or Dan, Dan Fazio from Wafla. Dan, like you said, as yeah. the vaccine was rolled out, more people got vaccinated, incredibly high rates within the farm worker community, uh, uh, farm workers coming here to work, and we roll into spring now, and the state, as it backed off the restrictions on everybody else, which was kind of a surprise, I think, to some, when all of a sudden our governor, Jay Inslee, comes out and says, okay, well, we're going to, you know, we can start, you know, and CDC guidance too, I guess, pushed him, but, you know, masks right. aren't such a big thing. We're pulling back from some of this lockdown stuff but not for farming. Explain specifically what happened there. Well, yeah, and it's a good transition into uh, into what you were talking about with activists and a transition into what uh, they're doing now with uh, hiring uh, 30 new outreach workers between two uh, uh, two agencies to um, kind of uh, look over people's shoulder. Um, and he, what happened was that um, the folks from from Ellen, I called us up and said, "Well, we had to do these regulations because the farm worker ag- advocate industry is, you know, getting press, and we don't want to have good press, bad press, and so we're going to do more regulations. And so, what you guys have to do is stop talking to us about best science and start um, going and get articles in the press. And we're like, if that's what it takes, that's what we'll do. But the last time we checked, we thought you guys were supposed to look at best science, and that's really where." Uh, what happened. And so, you know, we said to, you know, Governor Inslee, look, we want to do the right thing. We want to be at the table. We want to ask what it is that that gets us on the off-ramp off of these silly, silly, you know, um, rules. And, and quite frankly, you know, we just, we're just doing what we can to, uh, to protect our, our workforce. And then once our workforce is protected and we feel good about that, then we, then we do what we can to not get fined. Right. And so, um, so they said, look, you know, we'll back off when, you know, when the, when, when the publicity tells us to back, back off and that's kind of what happened. And now they're, now they're telling us they're going to have to hire, a lot more inspectors so that when the farm worker advocate industry makes these claims, which they're telling us are all bogus, uh, that they have the data to push back on them. And that's kind of what, what they're, what they're telling us. They've got to spend millions and millions of dollars of tax dollars to have people just wandering around the farms. So, uh, that when the advocates call them up, they can say, okay, we have a guy there and it's not true. So it's, you know, it's kind of like you get accused of something and it's not, it, it's not, you know, innocent until proven guilty. It's guilty until yep. proven innocent. Yep. And that's kind of where, what it's, what it's devolved to over and, here. And that's how our state bureaucracy operates. And people in so many different walks of life and sectors of our economy have experienced this. It's rampant, certainly, in, in the farming community and the world of farming here in Washington. Because for whatever, you know, a variety of reasons that we talk about a lot on this show, it's, it's in vogue right now to, to go after these issues in farming. Um, it's somehow so 
socially acceptable for these groups to continue to parade false claim after false claim out in public and create this perception that things are just terrible on farms for farmers and farm workers in particular when none of it is backed up. Uh, that's like just that's the thing right now. That's I mean, just a week or two ago. Familias Unidas por la Justicia, the farm uh, worker uh, union, activist union, um, you know, Ramon Torres, uh, Edgar Franks, Rosalinda Guillen and company, um, in, a, in a post on Facebook said, we already know that employers want everyone working under the same conditions where thousands of us get sick. Well, it, it, it defies all logic it, it oh. certainly is it's, it, the opposite of the truth but it defies even basic logic yet these people continue now well over a year later to push this false backward 180 degree backward narrative i'm sorry to disappoint those folks but the workers are not getting sick um and uh, that's uh, and we're we're doing the right thing um i'm also sorry to disappoint your your listeners that um, they're taking taxpayer dollars out of our unemployment insurance trust account. Three and a half million dollars were taken out uh, in this legislative session to fund 14 outreach workers for the Employment Securities Department. This is an unemployment insurance trust fund where um, money was supposed to be going to people that were unemployed, and a lot of those people didn't get their money, but they've got money to take out to have outreach workers to uh, wander around the farms. Three and a half million dollars there, and then four and a half million dollars taken out of the workers' comp compensation trust fund. So if you get hurt at work, you're supposed to have money uh, to pay for your treatment um, and your disability pay, $4.5 million out of that to fund uh, outreach workers and then more inspectors for agriculture um, so that uh, when uh, the folks you mentioned call up and say uh, that, uh, that we need more inspections, they've got plenty of inspectors sitting there waiting for their uh, beck and call. Um, by the way, the uh, the folks from the Employment Securities Department, Outreach Department, uh, needed the $3.5 million more because they had 12 people in this unit, and in, in the last two years they've done exactly one inspection. So I guess um, if we give them $3.5 million more, maybe they can increase by 100% the number of, of inspections they do. Uh, we're not you know particularly concerned about the inspections because the farmers are doing things right. It's just you know the, the waste of uh, taxpayer money that should be going and, to other things. And it's a big game. Just inspect, inspect, inspect. Intimidate via those inspections. Uh, and then just wait around for any little thing. Blow it way out of proportion. This is the same game that's been played over and over. And here they're doing it again. Uh, well, using, you're not letting a, a crisis, a good crisis go to waste. And they're essentially, in my view, taking this money, like you said, money that's supposed to be helping the unemployed. And even worse, in my mind, money that's supposed to be going to injured workers, people who are actually, you know, have actually dealt with some hardship to go try to find something that isn't there uh, and really ultimately play a political game with that money. And these these organizations are getting grants from Washington, D.C. right now. The grant spigots are on, um, and their livelihood depends on them saying that farm workers were abused. And that's kind of 
what why we get these yeah. allegations that you know they make the allegations and then so we have to spend government money from your income taxes to fund these 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 people to make these allegations and then we have to take money out of the workers compensation trust funds and the unemployment insurance trust funds um to uh fund people to go uh tell the people well we went out there and checked out you know your allegation and it, yep. it wasn't you know yep. we weren't able to sustain it and then they have another hissy fit at, at when we go to these meetings because they say that you know that the, then they then they say the departments are in the hip pocket of the farmers yeah uh, right. and so right it's 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 kind of i mean it, it's it's unbelievable yeah yeah it's, it, it's it, tough we 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 do did want to give a shout out to some of the people at l and i though who finally stood up to the their political bosses and said hey enough is enough we got to get back to best science we're going to lose credibility with the with the regulated community and we're losing credibility with the public at large um when we when we have these crazy regulations that don't make any sense when we know that people want the off ramp they want you know to get back to normal and that's what yeah. our job is and not just to tell people to be fear mongers <laughs> exactly right dan fazio with wafla here on the farming show i'm dylan honkoop Thank you for your time this morning. We appreciate it. And uh, I guess we just, uh, that last little bit that you said about folks within in the organization, uh, I guess, preserves at least a, sh a little shred of faith in humanity for me. So we'll hope that that, uh, that portion of our society and those in, in positions of influence uh, continue to go in that direction and not the other direction. Dan, thanks for your time this morning. Perfect, Dan. We'll end on a good note. Thanks so much for everything that you do, Dylan.